Breaking news concerning the U.S. economy. Official figures show that more than one in Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That is a powerful statement by Jesus. We're in this new series um, called How to Find Peace of Mind, and that's our goal. Um, how do we find peace of mind together? When Jesus said, I want them to find life, um, the word he used in the Greek, it's called Zoe. Zoe, for our purposes, is this idea of a life of wholeness and peace, of abundance and joy, but wholeness and peace. And, and some of the dimensions of having, you know, a life to the full are mental health, relational health, emotional health, physical health, and spiritual health. Um, today we're going to be really focusing on emotional and mental health, and it is connected to our spiritual health. And if, as you're moving along in this series with us, if you have any questions, please send in your questions, you know, on social media, message us, let us know. Um, just email ask at whitewaterchurch.org if that's easier. We would love to hear your questions so that we could uh, address them in this series. Last week, we were looking at a story with Jesus and his disciples and how Jesus dealt with a storm that came upon their life, a crisis in their life. This week, we're looking at Jesus as they and the disciples as they step off the boat, and a man runs up with an internal storm. How does Jesus deal with the internal storms that we might carry in our life? So let's open the book of Mark and look. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake. Jesus was in the boat, went through the storm with his disciples, calmed it, and now they're getting out on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Now, it was really common in the Middle East, and even in some areas still is, for people who are uh, considered socially out outcast to live in areas like the tombs. Uh, it's a place that they can live. And, and in this situation, someone who's having some obvious major struggles, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, is uh, coming from the tombs. Another really important part to understand to this story is, is that um, Jesus is a healer. In fact, there's another story where Jesus is uh, with sinners and he's with people who, you know, the Pharisees, the religious don't really want to be around. And the religious leaders say, why is your leader hanging out with such scum? Because they saw people who were obvious sinners and fell short of the religious rules. They saw them as like almost like a disease, a sickness with sin. And uh, Jesus heard what they were saying. He knew what they were saying. And he he, he looked over at them and he, he said, um, the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. And you're just, you th you're acting like you're healthy, but I want to work with people who know that they need help. And then he says, go and learn what mercy means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. That's Jesus' heart. He's a healer. That means that here at Whitewater, we're a church of broken people. We're a, a, a people that are healing and we're growing together, but there's no perfect people here. There's there's people who are learning to be healed. The, the church is a hospital. It's it's not primarily a, 
a university and it's certainly not a fashion show. The church is a hospital where people come to get well. So we can expect that there's going to be sickness in church. And especially nowadays where people we're actually dealing with, dealing with a pandemic, it's more important than ever to realize that Jesus is a healer and the church is a part of that healing process. Now, let's pick up in verse 3. Now, this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. So something was fueling his strength. He was able to break through chains. And in verse 4, it says, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So you could see this man coming running up to the disciples and Jesus after they've just got out of this really scary storm. And this man who's possessed by a demon, who's got all this emotional and mental agony that he's in, running up. And you could see some of the disciples be like, I've heard of this guy. Let's get back in the boat, Jesus. And Jesus saying, no, 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 I'm not getting back in the boat until I help this man. The story goes on in verse 5. It says, day and night, um, he wandered. This man wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So you see even there's self-harm, there's mental anguish, there's emotional anguish. And I, I just want to make clear in this story, we're going to be focusing on the mental and emotional elements of health and unhealth and how Jesus deals with this. There is the element of spiritual warfare or, um, or, or the demonic, and that is an element in here, but we're going to focus primarily on emotional and mental health. And while it can be true um, that, that spiritual darkness can obviously impact our emotions and our mental health, it's not always true that when we struggle with mental and emotional health, um, that we have some spiritual darkness. And so I want to make that really clear. And we're going to focus again on emotional and mental health f uh, for, for this uh, sermon and this sermon series. So we see this man is obviously in agony and he's harmed himself. He's been struggling. He's been separated from his community. Um, he probably hasn't seen his family in perhaps years. He hasn't been able to worship because he's not himself. Um, he's not himself emotionally, he's not himself mentally, and he's become separate and separated from his culture and society. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. You could just see the disciples kind of starting to edge away. They're, they're probably scared of this guy. And in verse 7, it says this, with a shriek, he screamed, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to scream. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? You could just see kind of like, you know, uh, chills going down the, the necks of the disciples hearing this shriek. I remember one time I was teasing my kids. We had watched a movie where there was like some shrieking or whatever. And, uh, and, and I just made a, a, a slight shriek noise. I went like this. I went... My seven-year-old and my two-year-old immediately turned. My daughter was like, stop it, dad. And my son goes, no, 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 and just covered my mouth. So I couldn't make the noise anymore. Um, dads, we have to be able to make fun noises like that once in a while. But in this moment, I mean, just how terrifying would it be to have a man that's obviously out of control in this state, shrieking the top of his lungs to Jesus, 
Why are you interfering with me? Why are you here, Jesus, son of the the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. So we see right here this man acknowledging and whatever's going on in him, acknowledging that Jesus is the son of God. And in verse 8, Jesus, it says, had already said to the spirit, come out of this man, you evil spirit. So Jesus not only has power over storms and waves, but we're seeing that he has power over spiritual forces. So how does Jesus respond? Jesus demanded, what is your name? And the man replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. And you can just see the disciples, the first moment he comes running up, you know, and they recognize that something's up. Maybe they've heard of him. The disciples are like, Jesus, we need to get back in the boat. We, let's get back in the boat. And Jesus is like, no, we're staying. And they're like, okay. And then all of a sudden when he says, my name is Legion, and they hear a shriek, could you say, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, they're like my boy. No, 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 we're getting in the boat, Jesus. Let's, uh, let's go take, I would take any storm over whatever storms in that man. I don't see how Jesus responds to this. When this man says, I am a Legion, I'm many, he's saying there's a war of like 5,000 troops inside me. That's what a Legion is. And there's like demons in him. And when the disciples hear the scream of terror, they're afraid of that. When Jesus hears that scream, he hears anguish. When when the disciples see a man coming and running at them, uh, they're again, they're afraid. They see something scary. And Jesus sees a man who needs healed. Jesus said, go learn what I mean by saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So often we want to run from those who need our greatest help. I find it's true that sometimes hurt people hurt people or broken people can actually cause more brokenness in others. But Jesus, he loves to restore. And I think there's something about the hand of God or there's something about the mercy of God that we're learning about in this passage. Verse 10, then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs um, feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. And so Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of the man and entered into the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. What a weird story. Are any of you guys thinking that? I mean, that's that's something I I love about the Bible. It doesn't like varnish itself. It just tells things in the in like the weirdness and in the reality of what Jesus was doing. And sometimes we think everything's normal in our world, but in reality underneath the surface there are things going on that are that are unhealthy. We can think our world sometimes is like really normal. We read something like this and be like, oh, this is really weird. And does this have anything to say to me today? But I had a friend who um, had a great house, but they didn't know this at the time, but there was um, wiring that had been wired improperly behind the walls. And they had a, a, a friend who noticed that there were some issues and he took the wall off. And when he took the wall off, they saw where wires were hitting each other and sparking. I mean, it was just waiting to go up in flame. And so it is in our lives and the world around us. Spiritually, sometimes there are wires behind the walls of reality, what we can see. And 
Sometimes it's the things we don't see that are sparking and about to cause a fire. See, Jesus can see behind the wall and he can see the wall. And in this scenario, he's, I think, a lot to teach us about how we can become whole and healthy in the kingdom of God. Another thing we notice is these are, there's 2,000 pigs. So that means that we are in a, an area where Gentiles live or non-Jewish people um, who don't practice Judaism because Jews won't, you know, have herds of pigs. So we know that about this area. In verse 14, the herdsmen, the ones who owned the pigs or were taking care of the pigs, fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons who had not, they hadn't been able to contain him. He had harmed himself. He was so strong, no one could could hold him back. And he was living separate in the tombs. He was seen as more of a specter and, and an outcast to their to their society. They came and they saw him. And he was sitting there, fully clothed, perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Do you remember last week in the story when Jesus calms the storm on the sea? And it just is calm, and the disciples are in awe. They're actually afraid now more of Jesus than they were of the storm. Like, who is this? And there's this moment where the inner storm in this man is fully calmed, and the people see it, and they're all of a sudden scared and in awe of Jesus. Who is this guy? Verse 16, then those who had seen what had happened, told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. They, w- they wished they had their pigs and the man back in the tombs, living alone. It's interesting, Jesus, who ultimately was the one who died for the many, in this scenario... This is like a year's worth of food for this area. Think about it. Like this is an economic hardship. All these pigs going over the cliff and drowning. That's that's a major economic hit. Jesus, the one who died for the many, in this scenario, thinks that one man's life is worth a year's food supply. The world we live in with COVID-19, I think the sacrifice that people are making, the many are making for the few is an example of this. And sure, there's a tension there. But I think it's amazing that that we see Jesus holding this tension. Another really important thing we see in this this moment is is there are stigmas in our society, back then and now, toward emotional and mental health. There are stigmas in the church. There are stigmas in society. And if we're honest, I think there's stigmas in me and you, fears that we have, um, fears of, of like, how do we heal or how do we deal with this? Or let's just sweep, um, you know, mental and emotional health under the rug. Let's not deal with it. Let's not deal with it in me. Uh, we won't deal with it out there. And I think in some ways that this, this man who was not himself, and had all this spiritual darkness and all this unhealth mentally, emotionally, physically, it's almost a mirror of what was going on in the hearts of the society. And we want to run from that. So Jesus helps us learn how to be free of these stigmas. 
When everyone wants to run to the boat, uh, Jesus says, no, I'm not going to the boat till I help this man. When the society, the culture says, keep him in the tombs, uh, keep him over there, so let's separate from him. Jesus says, no, 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 let's draw close and let's deal with this. Now let's look at how this story finishes. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. And check this out, how merciful he has been. Underline that in your Bible if you have one. How merciful God has, has been. Remember Jesus said, go learn that I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This story finishes amazingly. I love it. Um, so then the man started off to visit ten town, the ten towns of that region and began proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. His story was transforming people. He, he was transformed and transforming through his story. Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. Religion removes relationship renews. See, religion is, it's like the systems of sacrifice. It's the, the idea of, we, of building like this attainment or earning like um, the life you deserve uh, from God. And uh, religion is what Jesus came to tear down because religion removes. It's like finding reasons to keep someone in the tomb. It's finding a reason to run to the boat. It's finding a reason to like cut off the offending thing, remove the offending person, the people who don't fit in, the people who don't uh, belong because they don't believe the right thing. Well, relationship rather than religion, the reason Jesus came is to establish a relationship with us of love. Relationship renews. Jesus draws near to heal. He's trying to look what can be saved, what can be renewed, what can be restored, not what can be removed, what can be cut off. He's trying to restore humanity. Um, we need to remember that we're not doctors, we're not experts, but we are learning to follow the way of Jesus and we're learning to be experts in love. And so there is theology that can be really unhelpful for emotional and mental health. One of these, one of these things might be uh, a statement like, you're just weak. You just can't handle this. Or you're, uh, you deserve this. Like you brought this on yourself. Or like there's statements like, if you just, if you just believed, if you had more faith, then you'd be healed. Unhelpful theology. Um, another, another belief is, um, if you just believe the truth more, if you just believe the truth about the gospel harder, then you'd be healed. So what that does is it, it says there's a deeper problem in you, and it's, and, but the problem still is you. It's your belief or your inability to do this religious thing, and that's why you have these issues. Or there's no issue. This is in your mind. All of these are unhelpful. And here's a, a few reasons why it's uh, totally, not only totally unhelpful, but sometimes toxic. If that's, tr if any of these are true, that you deserve this because this is what's going on in your life. You must have done something to deserve that. Or if you just believe the right truth, if you just had enough faith. Well, why, why was Jesus ever put on a cross then? Why did Jesus go through hardship? Um, Jesus went through a time where he was tested by a demon in the desert, where he had spiritual darkness. 
uh, harass him, tempt him. He went through mental anguish, spiritual anguish, emotional anguish. So we know that those statements can't be true unto themselves. Now, we need to keep in mind, like, it is good to believe the truth. It is good to have faith. It is good sometimes to search, like, sometimes we can do something that causes something to uh, hurt us or others. But we have to look at it holistically, and we have to realize that it's these are pieces to a larger puzzle, and, and we need to be more sensitive to that. Um, I, had a, I had a counselor friend tell me one time, he said, when you're working with someone who's emotionally and spiritually and mentally just spent or they're, 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 they're unhealthy, um, you telling them or a, a Christian telling somebody, if you just believe this truth, this truth, and this truth, and it would all be better, and if you just remove this sin, this sin, and this sin, you'd all be better. He's like, uh, imagine a moment where you have more adrenaline than you've ever had. You're having a panic attack. You're having a, a horrible moment. You can barely think. Your heart's beating. And and then you hand someone an Ikea instruction um, manual, and you say, Hey, if you just did this step, this step, and this step, all of your anxiety would go away. What is, what is that going to do? Well, if I've, I've tried to put together those IKEA things even when I'm not stressed out, and they cause more stress. You would be freaking out even more. And, and to be honest, if you're already freaking out, you already have the adrenaline, you can't even think or hear someone properly. And so we need to be able to step back and approach these things holistically with help. We need to follow Jesus' lead on this. And Jesus cared about the whole person for their whole life. And he was holistic. So let's, let's just look at a few practical ways that the Bible does say when, when we're, when we're on a journey toward mental and emotional, spiritual health, um, there's a spectrum of ways that God heals us and helps us on that journey, not just one. We can't just pick our favorite thing, this truth, this thing, and use it on everyone. We have to be more holistic. So different approaches toward wholeness and peace. Uh, first thing is healing happens through medicine and therapy. You even see this in, in the scriptures. Um, God is known as the counselor. He comes and counsels us in our need. I mean, that's part of God's character. Medicine, uh, we, we see this in all over scripture, but uh, the apostle Paul, you know, uh, encouraged his friend to use wine and oil for healing. In the book of Revelation, we even see that the tree of life has fruit, and when people eat of, eat of it, um, it brings um, eternal life to them. It brings, it says, healing to the nations. Healthy exercise and diet. I mean, this is pretty basic, but God uses, you know, ordinary things to help us be healthy. Healthy exercise and diet is important. Healing through community of love and acceptance. I mean, Jesus um, feasted with people, gave them food so they'd be healthy, and he also spent time with them. And, and we need a healthy community around us to help us be healthy. Healing through the supernatural. Jesus did that. He healed people supernaturally. It's amazing when it happens. And we pray for it. We ask God for it. But it doesn't always happen that way. And it's not always dependent on like how great or how small your faith is. Healing through time and through process. God heals us through our body. You know, our bodies will heal themselves. We have this amazing gift that he's given us that our bodies can, um, can heal themselves in many ways. Not with everything, but with some things. And God likes to use time and process for that. Um, healing through eternal life in Christ. We know that ultimately, even on this side of heaven, if, if you were to have a miraculous healing, um, you still would um, most likely have to pass through death 
and see Jesus on the other side. Now, most of us are going to have to deal with that. Even people who were healed back in Jesus' day have died. And we, are, we know that Jesus is going to put all things right and eternal life is going to be ours fully. Death doesn't have the final word, but Jesus gives eternal life to all of us who follow him. Jesus cares about the whole person and healing through Jesus is holistic. So Jesus cares about the whole person, mind, body, soul, will, sp- you know, spirit, um, emotions, um, uh, relationships. He cares about the whole person. And so healing through Jesus is holistic. We get to look forward to, you know, if you've got some kind of brokenness this side of heaven, that's not going to change. You know, maybe a, a chronic illness or a um, genetic issue that, you know, unless God supernaturally heals you, you're going to have to live with this. We can look forward to a total holistic re- restoration um, when Jesus puts all things right. And I just think that's wonderful. And we want to follow Jesus and how we approach emotional, mental, spiritual, physical health. I had a friend who uh, his wife uh, went through a season where her mental health severely declined. And they were in one of the hardest seasons of their marriage, hardest seasons of life. And there were some family things that had happened uh, that had surfaced to cause this. And he, he confided in some family members he really trusted and said, hey, we're dealing with this. And this is back, I think, in the 80s. And in Christian circles, it, there was still a lot of stigma around mental health. Um, one of his um, family members told him, do you really think it's that big a deal? It just seems like you're making a big deal out of this. And that a lot of that mental, emotional stuff is you just got to, she's just got to toughen up. And it was so hurtful to hear that from somebody they had opened up and trusted. And uh, it caused some trust issues within the family. And then they wondered, well, maybe it is. Maybe something is wrong with us. And maybe there's a, maybe we are believing the wrong things. And they kind of went in a tailspin, you know, all the unhelpful theological things um, rather than looking to Jesus for a holistic picture. And the, one of the most ironic parts was years later, that same family member that had said that to them, their, one of their kids started struggling with mental and emotional health. And they came back and said, you know, I was totally wrong those years ago when I said that to you. Our, our, um, our child is really suffering with this and we don't know what to do. Guys, I want to be a church that's, that follows Jesus, removing the stigmas. We want to be a, a church that's a hospital for people, not a fashion show, not, a, not a, just a university for a bunch of knowledge. We want to see people made whole. We want to be a place of mercy, not sacrifice, because Jesus came not to build a religion, but to build a relationship between us and God and each other. I have a, a friend who's uh, got an amazing faith, and they've been willing to share their um their journey of mental and emotional health. And they're gonna be looking at these questions. Um, what are the impacts of social stigmas around mental and emotional health, you know, in society, church, and in people? And also, how can we begin to tear down those stigmas, those, those walls? So my name is Cody Bosarch. My journey with mental health started in 2012 when I started having some sporadic behavior and I ended up getting diagnosed as a bipolar one disorder and went on uh, medicine for um, a period of time. I was going to YWAM in Australia 
and I made a decision to uh, go off my medicine because I felt healthy and I was I, I was able to handle myself and I ended up in a um, psych ward in Australia for about two weeks. Soon after I came home, I went the opposite direction into a deep depression to the point where I was on the Narrows Bridge twice in one week and through medicine and uh, continually having my family and friends in the faith encourage me and um, continuing that walk with God, I was able to finally get stable. And I, since maybe the beginning to mid 2015 now, I've uh, been steady. A lot of different side effects over the years and processing things and changing things and um, amazing um, counselors and psychiatrists. And uh, actually, since I've been coming to Whitewater over the last maybe two months since I did the uh, journey track, I felt like God was like, it's time, Cody. I want you to be closer to me again. And I kind of finally came to the conclusion that I've put God at a distance because when I was the closest to him in my life, is when I felt like he abandoned me and I did, felt like I didn't deserve this chemical imbalance. Coming to the realization that through the pieces of uh, foundation that God has given me, whether through friends or with medicine or with white water, uh, I have the resources now to be able to trust God and know that he's put me in a place where um, I have a phenomenal wife now that we've been married like two and a half years and it's only through his strength so I can uh, trust him to be able to help me to have a family like I am and be able to have kids and not have fear that I'm going to go into a mania when we have a baby and there's less sleep because that can be a trigger is less sleep. Um, most of the things that have been told to me that haven't been helpful have been from the church and have been from Christians stating that there's a demon inside me, or that I can be healed if I just believe it. If, if I'm not healed when I get prayed for, it's because I don't have the faith. I think that people are potentially not understanding the whole scripture. Sometimes when they say those kind of things, there's talk of perseverance in the Bible because we go through hard things. And I can let other people and their perceptions of me saying that I'm this way because I sinned or I'm this way because I don't have enough faith get in the way of me understanding that there's brokenness in the world because sin entered the world. And all over scripture, there's places where people go through hard things, but God's there walking through it with them. And yes, he has the power to do a miracle and heal things or correct things instantly. We don't always know why he doesn't. I think it's correct. I totally have faith that God could heal me and it'd be a miracle. And I am going to trust always that he can do that. But until he does that, I'm also gonna know that he has given me the tools and the ability to talk to a doctor and have medicine and have family and have the different psychological help that is great. We are broken people learning to love broken people because we have a God who is broken for us. We're going to be breaking down um, what 
this looks like for an individual who's struggling? How does, how does that, how does the way of Jesus really help them move forward? And we're also going to be looking at how do we, if we have friends who are struggling, how do we reach out and help? How do we have the courage and, and, you know, what do we do? Um, we're going to be answering those questions over the next com- coming weeks. And I want to invite you to continue taking your steps toward Jesus. If you yourself or you have friends who have been struggling with mental and emotional health, I want you to know that we have resources. Um, You can click on the link below and it'll give you resources to call people for immediate help. But we also will have resources that can connect you with a counselor, get you on those steps toward counseling and and help. And we also have people um, that want to pray with you. And there's there's, um, next steps and ways to connect you with people who would listen and pray with you to help connect you personally to that next step of wholeness and bringing the life of Christ in. Um, Guys, we love you so much, and we want to help you on that journey toward wholeness and peace. So let's now worship together the God of all life and hope.